Hey, everybody, thank you so very much for joining us. This is the third week and the final week of our Making Room series. And so a quick shout out to those of you who are watching from my San Jose campus. Make some noise in San Jose. Glad to have you. Praise be to God. And a huge shout out to those of you who are part of our online community. Thank you for engaging and connecting with uh, our worship gathering and this message in this moment. Praise be to God. Now, listen, we're going to stay with the same passages that we've been working through. This will be the third week. Hidden in these passages, I want to suggest to you today, are some Christmas surprises. Can you say Christmas surprises? Yes. So let's get ready. Let's read our text together. And she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son, Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks, their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance, the light of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But you know, the angel reassured them by saying, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will, be, that will bring great joy, not for just some of the people, but for all of the people. Come on, shout, all of the people. Amen and amen. You know, the Gospel of John kicks off. And in uh, chapter 1, verse 5, I believe it is, verse 4, John is really talking about the birth of Jesus when he pens these words. And light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not understand it. You can translate that Greek word that, that says understand it. You can translate, and the darkness could not overtake it or extinguish it or destroy it. The insight, by using that Greek word in that place, what John is essentially saying is that, 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 that the birth of Jesus, Jesus comes into the world. This is Christmas. And yet there were some who desired to destroy him. And if you're des- desiring to destroy the light that comes into the world, then you don't fully understand the light. Because that light, Jesus, has come into the world the Savior. I love John 3, 17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that all might be saved through him. Here's my question. Do you understand the light? We've been dealing with Christmas, however long we have in. We've been watching Hallmark movies and singing Christmas songs. But I want to contend to you that we don't fully, fully get the full message of Christmas, the full meaning of Jesus' birth. There's more for us to discover. So let's revisit this passage today uh, and let's look for some Christmas surprises. And she, Mary, that is, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, feeding feeding trough, because there was no room for them in the end. I want you to concentrate on that Those latter words, there were no room for them, say them, in the end. Now, if you were with us last weekend, you know, I told you that, interestingly enough, that when there was a knock on the door of the inn, and that word translated in probably suggests it was a single-family dwelling, not a commercial place. Uh, And the person who opened the door, he saw Mary, who was pregnant, he saw Joseph, but he did not see that the Savior of the world, Jesus, was literally nestled not just in Mary's womb, but in their story. And I told you that had he closed the door and locked them out, he would have locked not only them out, but he would have locked him, Jesus, out of their, out of life. 
Now, the good news is, despite what some folk would say about this text, is that whoever was the house, the owner of the house, did not turn them away. There was no room for them in the, in the house proper, but there was an additional space, a quiet space that, that they turned over, and that was the space in which Jesus was born. Now, I think Luke, who has, who, who has selected the various uh, moments out of Jesus' life and shaped his narrative, not just of Jesus' birth, but the whole entire narrative of Jesus' life, he has shaped it in such a way as to keep reminding us about the heart of God towards, in that context towards women, towards those who were poor, towards those who were locked out and marginalized. So I think when Luke pins these words, uh, there was no room for them in the end. He really wanted to ask this question. Who are the them you don't have room for in your life? I want to beg, I want to suggest to you that the first Christmas surprise comes to us in the form of this question. As we celebrate Christmas, the real challenge of Christmas, the challenge that comes with Jesus' birth is who are the them that you do not have room for in your life? Here's the reality. We're coming to the end of December 20th of the year of 2023. We're about to kick off a brand new year. God spares us 2024 here in America. It's an election year. And I can just say this. You know this to be true, not only in America, but across the world. We're seeing examples of this in so many horrendous ways that uh, life is becoming even more divisive, more polarized and more toxic. And this junk is is dripping into our lives, into our families, into our homes at an even more rapid rate. Just when we think we've gotten past one divisive issue, another divisive issue comes and splits us up across generations, so forth and so on. But the most recent being uh, what's going on in the Middle East, in Gaza, between the, uh, Israel and, and uh, Hamas, and the Palestinians on the ground, and all of the pain and suffering and death that is taking place. So I ask you again, here at Christmas, in this Christmas season, who, who's the them that you just don't have room for anymore? Is it those poor people or those wealthy people? Is it those conservative far-right people? Is it those uh, woke Democrat folk on the far left? Who are the, who are the them that you just don't have room for in your life anymore? Is it the folk from the LGBTQ plus community? Or maybe it's just those Church folk. Uh, is it those Jews? Is it those Palestinians? Is it those Muslims? Is it those homeless folk? Who are the them you don't have room for in your life? And let me just remind you as you assess this question, be careful of the them that you lock out of your life because when you lock them out, there's a good chance that you may be locking him, Jesus, out. Because here's what I know and here's what the Christmas story teaches us. Here is light shining in the darkness and we've got to get it. And it's simply this, that Jesus is often nestled in the stories of the them even if they don't honor or acknowledge him in their life. He's in their story. Be careful about locking out the dim. Now, let me offer a couple of insights, a couple of footnotes to this, if you will, as we drill down deeper. 
I'm hoping that as you listen to this message, that your heart, your mind, your spirit is convicted. Maybe it's not a them, it's a him or it's a her. Somebody that you've been super judgmental about. Somebody that you've allowed a label to get between you and their relationship, your relationship with them. Somebody that you have locked out of your life. And you've, you, you, you've, you, you're the one that's done the locking. You're the one that's slammed the door. You're the source of vitriol and pain and hurt. It's you. If in fact it's you, I just want to suggest you don't beat yourself up. We're learning. We're growing. We're, we're allowing the light of Christmas to illuminate our hearts. This is an illuminating moment. So you just need to do what Matt, Jesus teaches us in Matthew 5, 23. He says, if you're in worship and you suddenly realize in worship that there is a brother or a sister that feels like you have wounded them, he says, leave your, your gift at the altar. Exit worship. Go initiate and seek reconciliation with so for somebody, this is your message today. You're going to exit this time of worship when you finish watching me online or when you leave San Jose, and you're going to go initiate, and you're going to say, hey, what do we need to do to make room for each other in our lives again? It's a big deal, right? I often say this. There are big issues that divide us, but our lives are larger and broader than these issues so on some of these issues, Jews, Palestinian, uh, sexuality, uh, national politics, we just have to agree to disagree. And you tell me where your boundaries are, and I'll tell you where my boundaries are, and we're going to do life together. That's the first insight. You know, Christmas, the birth of Jesus, it's light shining in the darkness. Do you get it? We'll come back to this point in a few moments. The second insight right here. Last weekend, uh, a few weekends ago after worship, a couple came up to talk to me. And they shared with me that there were some folk in their lives where there was a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain. They had actually reached out to these people repeatedly. All they got back was pain and trauma and drama. Tears was coming down their eyes. And they asked me, what do we do? This is the flip side of the corn that we just visited, right? You're, not, you're, you're, you're trying to remedy the situation. You're trying to reconcile. And all you get back, people cussing you out, people calling you out, your name hanging up on you, come on. Pain and trauma. What do you do in that scenario as it relates to this message? Well, the insight comes. Notice Joseph and Mary knocked at the door. I told the couple last couple weekends ago, Back up, wait for the knock. Somebody sitting next to you just say, wait for the knock. You see, you can't help somebody if they don't know that they need help. And what's remarkable about this passage is that Mary and Joseph understood that they needed help, that they needed a place in order to give birth to Jesus. So they knocked on the door and they asked, is there any room? And for some of us, we have to recognize, come on, we can't control, we can't manipulate, we can't make folk do right, straighten out, come on now, uh, uh, treat us lovingly. We can do what we can do, then we have to step back, come on now. And if the door is closed, we just simply wait for, pray for, hope for the knock. And when the knock comes, then the miracle can begin to unfold. 
Until then, keep living. Keep living. And then the text goes on, doesn't it? Let's look for some more Christmas surprises. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flock of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. I just love this. And the radiance and the light of the Lord's glory surrounded them. You know what this text reminds us of? This text reminds us of all of the different types of people that God made room for through the birth of Jesus. Here's the insight. The birth of Jesus brings people together across many unexpected differences and includes them in his story. Now, here's why I'm making this insight. There are a lot of people watching me now, and you, you buy into this notion that whatever room you're in, you ought to make room for a whole lot of different people. Whatever table you're sitting at, political, economic, educational, you ought to make space for a whole lot of different people. The challenge is you think that is a creation of modern era. You think that, is, that has come out of some political instinct or it is some cultural innovation. But here's what I want to say to you, that if you think that way, you are simply imitating Jesus. You see, this notion of making room for people with unexpected, unprecedented differences started with Jesus. Before his birth, that did not exist in the Western world. You didn't put people of, of different gender and ethnicities, come on now, together in this, and different classes, the wealthy and the poor, together in the same place. But beginning with the birth of Jesus, the announcement is that there is good news that is going to bring great joy to all of the people. And it starts with the birth of Jesus. Now, you have to read both Matthew and Luke to get how, how, how diverse the groups are. For example, Luke introduces us to the shepherds. I told you last week, the, the, the light comes to the shepherds. And I told you last week that they, were, they had no political social standing. A few weeks ago, no political social standing uh, in their culture. Uh, they were poor. They were uneducated. They were the quote-unquote nobodies of their era. But the light shines around them. Matthew, when he writes his gospel, he, re, he introduces us to the exact opposite to the shepherds, the magi. Uh, these are, quote unquote, the wise men. These are Gentiles who come from the east asking, where is he born, the king of the Jews? They are the opposite. They have political and social status and standing. They have economic uh, power and clout. They're well-educated and scientific-minded. Luke introduces us and reminds us of all the women that were included. Talks about Elizabeth, gives us her lineage. You know that she is a descendant of the of Aaron and his priestly line, that's the brother of Moses, gives us the birth narrative through Mary's eyes. The angel shows up, tells her what's going to happen. How can these things be, she says, so forth and so on. Tells us about the prophet Anna. Come on. Rarely do we find a female prophet. Here she is, tells us who her daddy and her lineage is, and he raises this thing up. He says, look at the women that are included in the story. And then Matthew says, but don't forget about the men that are included. And so he, he introduces us to the Magi, all men, introduces us to Joseph and the, and, the, and the birth narrative through Joseph's eyes, right? He thinks that Mary has cheated on him. An angel comes and says, no, she hasn't. And he changes his mind and he introduces us to Herod, all men. 
Both gospels introduce us to the children that are included in the story, right? Luke tells us about John the Baptist, the forerunning of Jesus, to his birth. And then, of course, there's the birth of Jesus. These are the two babies. Matthew tells us about those small babies up to the age of two that was, that was horrendously slaughtered at the hand of Herod. And as we think about that, we, we, we recognize that built into the story of Jesus' birth is room for those who have been traumatized and by evil and who are grieving loss. All those folk are included in the story of Jesus. And so the light of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, challenges us. This notion we got to keep making room for folk who are different from us. You know, uh, two quick more examples, and I'm going to finish this piece up and really drive this home. Do you fully get Christmas? If you don't get this point, you don't fully get Christmas. That Jesus is about making room for folk who are different from each other. You know, Jesus picked his 12 disciples. Among his 12 disciples was Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot, this notion of Zealot, the Zealots were, was, a, uh, was a, a political group operating in Israel. They were dedicated to the overthrow of the Roman power. He was one of the disciples of Jesus. Matthew was a tax collector. He, he, he earned his living from the Roman government. He was uh, uh, incredibly supportive of the Roman government. Both Matthew and Simon the Zealot were both Jesus' disciples. Can you say he made them a part of his story? Isn't that interesting? Diametrically opposed. Here's how John Arberg writes about it in one of my favorite books, Who Is This Man? He wrote that's the book he wrote. And here's what John says. Look at the people Jesus brings together, John writes. Jesse Jackson and Jerry Farwell. Jim Wallace and Jim Dobson, Anne Lamothe and Thomas Kincaid, Billy Graham and Billy Sonder and Bill Clinton and Bill Short for William Shakespeare. Look at the people that Jesus brings together. Check this out. Sojourner Truth and Robert E. Lee, Constantine and Charlemagne. Look at the people that Jesus brings together. Sarah Palin and Barack Obama, John Milton and Paul Bunyan, Mr. Roger, Jimmy Carter, and Peter the Great. Jesus brings all these people together. This is the hidden message. This is the, 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 the least talked about miracle that is, that is embedded in the birth of Jesus. How he makes space, makes room. In his story, all these diametrically opposed, watch this, broken people who need a savior, who needs to be redeemed, who needs a Jesus in their story. So when I think about this uniqueness, I give God thanks and praise for NBCC because that's what's unique. Here's a congregation located in Northern California 
who we have our own version sitting in these pews of ours in San Jose, in Redwood City, watching online, part of our community, right? Our own versions of Sojourner Truths and Robert E. Lee's, our own version of Sarah Palin's and Barack Obama's, our own version of, of, of Simon uh, the Zealot and Matthew the Tax Collector. Come on. They're, they're, they're in the same small groups. They are, they're worshiping in the same church because, because at the end of they're listening to the same message because at the end of the day, here's why Jesus has put NBCC on the planet to be a Jesus first community. And, 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 and whoever Jesus has space for in his story, we have space for in our community, which makes it a unique community. God has designed NBCC for this season. And if you're part of NBCC, he has designed you for this season. Listen, listen, listen. What I just described, if you're part of NBCC, I'll make you excited. You are part of this, this movement of God. Isn't it amazing? And, and if you're just visiting or just checking us out, it ought to make you curious. Because God does his best discipleship work on us when we're able to see Jesus in the lives of folk who are opposite from us. My God, my God. Can you say Christmas surprise? But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Can you say to all the people, that's the point. All the people. You know, I often say, every year I love saying this, Christmas, you know, I want to understand Christmas, Christmas is simply Christ in the mess with us. But don't get confused about it. Christmas is not just about Christ in the mess with Christians, us. Christmas is about Christ in the mess with humanity, that us. And the birth of Jesus is to bring good news to all of humanity, whatever group you're in. He wants to make you a part of his story. As a matter of fact, he's already made you a part of his story. His showing up and your being a part of the human experience means that you're already born into his story. Some of you, you just didn't recognize it. Here's another Christmas surprise as you keep that in the back part of your mind. Jesus becomes a part of each of their stories. Talking about the folk in Matthew and Luke. Watch this. Uh, he becomes a part of each of their story. All the folk that John Ortberg talk, laid out just a few moments ago. That I read about. Jesus becomes a part of each of their story. Uh, 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 the zealot, Simon the zealot, and Matthew the tax collector. Jesus becomes a part of each of their story as a gift. It's a gift. Man, it's a big thing to have the Son of God to become a part of your story. And even if you don't honor him in your life, he's still nestled in your story. His grace is still in your story. That's a gift. Watch this. I didn't finish that insight. Jesus became a part of each of their stories as a gift. Watch this. And they became gift givers. Gift givers. Jesus showed up and Mary discovered that she was a part of, 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 of the story, right? Right? And, and, and she says, yes. 
to her role and her womb becomes the place, the gift that she gives back to God for the birth of the Savior of the world. Joseph discovers he's a part of the story and he says, yes, you catch the key here? He says, yes, and it radically shapes the rest of his life as he becomes the adopted father of Jesus. Come on, the stupids discover they are part of the story and they say yes, and despite their broken reputations, they make their way throughout the community, sharing with those who will listen what they have seen and who they have encountered, and the fact that the good news that the Savior has been born. Elizabeth and Zacchaeus are up in age, kind of like my grand aunt and my grand uncle, Ola Batchy Berry and Reverend Clance Berry, were up in age when I came into their lives. The same with Zacchaeus and Elizabeth when John the Baptist came through them, but they said yes and gave birth to the forerunner that Jesus John the Baptist. My grand aunt uncle said yes and facilitated my being here to talk to you today. Do you get it? The Magi had spent most of their lives acquiring and accomplishing, but when they came before the babe Jesus, they paid homage. They surrendered themselves. They said, look, we want to be a part of your plan of your kingdom. And so what did they do? They transitioned from acquiring and accomplishing to reaching into their treasure chest and becoming generous with their resources. Give to who the work and the purposes that are wrapped up in that baby called Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Sarah Starch is the co-founder of the Uversion Bible app. I think they have something like 80 billion apps out there all across the globe now. But when he shares his story, how he discovered that he was surprisingly a part of God's story and that God was surprisingly worked himself into his story. It's a remarkable thing. So he didn't grow up in a Christian household like many of you who are watching me today. He said they did have a kind of a moral fiber. They, they had a sense of what was right and wrong. They tried to do that, but they weren't Christian. They didn't go to church regularly. And sports was a big deal for them. His last year in middle school, transition to high school, his parents divorced. It really wrecked his life. Really. A lot of you listening to me, you can relate to that. He managed to graduate from high school, went on to college and graduated and became telecom exec, made tons of money. But he said he had an emptiness and a brokenness in his life that he couldn't feel, he couldn't fix. He was using his money to finance all the wrong things. Some of you listening to me can relate to that. Women and sex, and that didn't do it. And he tried work and accomplishments. That didn't do it. One night he was drinking. He got in the car and he just went riding. Pulled over to a park, parking lot, and he said, hmm. he said, God, I, I don't really know who you are but I've tried everything. I'm still empty. I'm still broken. Can you help me? He stayed there. The daylight came. He happened to look up. Turns out he was sitting in a church parking lot. The sign of the church was there when the services would start. He would return to that church and he'd hear about one called Jesus. It's full of grace and mercy and unconditional love. Watch this. And divine purpose. And that he had a 
he had a God-shaped hole in his heart and that he would, nothing would fill it until he said yes to this one who came into the world. The Christmas miracle. And he said yes. And immediately he went from receiving a gift to becoming a, give, a giver. He started serving in the church. You see, that he started serving really where he was. And then he took his career and his life and he says, God, I, I, I surrender it to you. How can, can I want you to serve I want your purposes to flow through me. And it becomes a part of this incredible enterprise that's put the Bible app in billions of devices and homes. He says today, he's still broken, he's not perfect. Mm. But the miracle of Jesus' love, grace, and mercy fills his life. He can live out of that space. He discovered that he was in Jesus' story and he didn't know it. He was in the parking lot. He didn't know it. But he came to a point where he says, I'm knocking on the door. Will you open? I need help. And Jesus didn't just show up in his story. He redeemed his story. That's the hidden miracle of Christmas. And light shined into the darkness. And the darkness could not comprehend it. Let me rush towards my conclusion. There's one exception to the rule in the story. His name is Herod. You see, Herod is the only character who comes face to face with the good news that Jesus is born. But he reacts all in all the wrong ways. Notice. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, here's what it says. Uh, the, the wise men, the magi, they came into the Bethlehem saying, uh, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw the star as it has risen, and we have come to worship him. And then notice the next verse. It says, King Herod. See, king is sitting in the seat of the king of the Jews. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed uh, when he heard this. And all of Jerusalem was because when he got disturbed, he started killing people. And just one couple of really quick insights. King Herod missed the message of Jesus' birth because of his political filter. He only thought in political terms. He thought that Jesus was coming to take his seat. Jesus was not interested in his political seat. Jesus was going to allow him to stay in the political seat. Jesus was interested in taking the top seat in Herod's heart. Herod could stay in the seat if Jesus if, if, if he made Jesus' agenda, his agenda, come on now. Uh, uh, but he totally missed the Jesus moment because of his political filter. I just want to say to somebody, uh, as we move into an election year, don't you allow your political filter to cause you to miss what Jesus wants to do in and through your life with folk who are different than you. And let's conclude here. The diverse characters in Jesus' story become a part of each other's story. Well, the, the shepherds and the magi, they become a part of each other's story. Come on, Mary. Uh, and Elizabeth becomes a part of each other's story. Uh, Simon the Zealot and, and Matthew the tax collector, around, they become a part of each other's story with Jesus in the center. 
And what does that happen? We see it really uh, in Ephesians 2.14. Uh, here's, what, here's the good news announcement. You see, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. This is his goal, y'all. When in his own body, on the cross, come on, he dies for the Jews, he dies for the Gentiles, he dies for the Sarah Palin, he dies for the Obamas, come on now, he dies for the Simon and Zealot, he dies for the Matthew, uh, the tax collector, he dies for you, he dies for me, come on now, and he has broken down the wall of hostility that separates us, and, 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 and we try to live that out here uniquely at NBCC, and the way we do it, come on now, is that we get inside of, we ask each other, we Invite one another, share your story. I don't want to know your political position. I want to know your story. Because there, Jesus is nestled in your story. The redemptive work of Jesus is in your story. I'm not saying politics is not important. I'm just saying lurking behind every policy and every disagreement, there is a story. And it's far more important for me to know your story. story. In the church of Acts, all these different people on the other side of Jesus' resurrection, go read chapter 2 of Acts. All these different ethnicities, the first time ever. Come on. All these different ethnicities, men and women, all these different, they all come together. Wealthy and poor and meeting in different people's homes. And what are they doing? They're, they're sharing how, how they discovered they were a part of Jesus' story. They're sharing how, how, how they discovered that, 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 that Jesus was in their story. They're sharing about how he redeemed their story. But they're also sharing how that's happening in, in the midst of real life. So they are weeping together and they are rejoicing together. And a new community is born. New community. So here's the deal. Receive the gift. Say yes to Jesus. If you've already said yes to Jesus, say a greater yes to his authority and to his, 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 his work in your destiny and your dreams. Come on. What else is left to be turned over? Turn that over. Secondly, become the gift. Come on. If you're part of the NBCC, become the gift. Number one, join a small group. We call them life groups because someone said the other day, none of us can hold the weight of somebody else's story, but we can treat them as sacred. And in a life group, you join in the shared work of treating each other's story as sacred. And doing life together, become the gift. Become the gift. Don't just show up and watch or show up and sit. But beginning next weekend, come on, show up and serve. Become, become a gift by giving your life first back to God and say, here I am. Become a gift. And if you're not a part of NBCC, uh, uh, whatever your country, I'm going to suggest that you connect with your friends and family. Here's how you do it. Identify three or five people during this season. Come on, live out. The light has shined into the darkness. Let them know. You get the message, right? The, uh, uh, and ask two questions to your three to five of your friends. What are you grieving about? And what are you rejoicing over? And make room. Those questions make room. Make room to weep with those who are weeping and rejoice with those who are rejoicing. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. And lastly, contribute to helping those who are in need. You know, Jesus says at the end of Matthew, he says to a group of folk, he says, listen, I was hungry and thirsty and you didn't help me. 
I was a stranger and naked and you didn't help me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't help me. And they replied, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I'll tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. So my challenge to you is this. Bless through giving. Help through giving. If you're part of the NBCC community, I want to challenge you. We ask everyone to give a year-end gift. We give so much during the Christmas season, the family, we buy gifts, we this. But I want to challenge you to invest in the unique work that Jesus is doing here to care for those who are struggling in those categories that I just read and to do this unique work of helping people to find commonality in each other's story built around Jesus, the light of the world. And if you don't know us that way, then don't give to us, but find where God is at work in the world through other nonprofits and give a year in gift. But give a final gift that says, here's where my heart is. I want to invest in this. Now, what is the this? Here's where I conclude. My goodness, here's, here it is. Here's the ultimate Christmas surprise. You see, Christmas is not just about the birth of a baby. It is about the birth of a king. It is not just about a moment or an event in time. It is about the inauguration of a movement. The gospel begins with the birth of Jesus. It moves to his death on the cross for our sins. It crescendos at his resurrection as he takes permanent death and transforms it into a temporary reality. But it continues to unfold. Come on now. As Jesus redeems the lives of all of us who are different because his ultimate goal is to make a new people and a new world and a new community because and through his kingdom movement. And so Merry Christmas is the announcement that the kingdom movement is away and it has transcended centuries and emperors and powers and it will in fact accomplish that which it has been launched to do, be a part of his kingdom movement. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.